Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. John 14, 3, And I go and I prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I hope that day comes pretty soon. And uh, now, because eventually we're going home according to David, and so we're going to let him present God's word. Thank you, Gary. Welcome, everyone, here in the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. I don't know where you all live, if you live right in Midland or surrounding area, but I'm going to have prayer, and then we'll get right into the message then. Father in heaven, as I stand here this Sabbath here in Midland, Michigan, in this church, with brothers and sisters, I introduce myself as the pastor in Thomasville, but I'm a servant of the Lord where you send me. Thank you for leading and guiding me here to be with this church family today. And may your blessing be upon us as we hear a message through me to the ears that will hear younger and older, members or visitors, to be connected together as one body in Christ. Let thy spirit be with us and at the end of this message, we'll be all drawn near to you, Father in heaven. Anoint the ears to hear, anoint my lips to preach, and may your word be heard. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What does it mean to any of you when you hear we are going home? Now, I asked you if you had a question for me. Now, I this is a question for anyone to answer. What does it mean when you hear we are going home? Okay, that's that's a pat seven-day answer. But when you've gone away, just like the children up here, and you've gone away from, and you hear we're going home, what, what happens to you? Anything? You get nervous, you get upset, you can't wait. Excited? Okay. Well, many of us have gone away in our lifetime, somewhere, and returned home. Some people leave for a short duration and then return home again. And then others go away for a long time. Maybe they'll venture back home, but they end up going back to where they came from, and that's their new location. Some people, either individually or as families or as a group, will go away or leave and do not return home again. When I hear the word going home, I think of my hometown that I grew up in and I was raised up in in Saginaw, Michigan. Some of you may have heard the old song by Lefty Frizzell, made famous by George Jones. I was born in Saginaw, Michigan. So when someone says we're going home and I've made this trip and planned this trip for a while and when you get closer and closer to that home base wherever you were, you hung your hat as a child and were raised up, you start 
getting memories and some emotions of things from the past. It's like going to to a time machine, but going back. And so as I was traveling to Saginaw, I landed at MBS and I got into the rental car and I told Gary, I said, I get this rental car, there's no shifter. I said, how do you drive? There's buttons, reverse, drive, park. I said, that's different. I said, especially in Michigan, you got snow. How are you going to get out of a snow drift? You shift back and forth with your fingers. You know, you used to go, rah, rah, put it in reverse, put it in drive, get out of that snow bank. But anyway, I was driving down Freeland Road and as I get closer to Saginaw and started going around to visit my siblings, um, different thoughts come up of where you used to be, where who you used to hang out with, what transformations happened. And I went around to some of those places. And sometimes it can be a good thing. And sometimes it can be unsettling. Like my parents' home. No one's there. It's a vacant house. Weeds are growing up all around it. So it's kind of sad sometimes when you go home and the old family home's not what it used to be. So I grew up in Saginaw, went to Arthur Hill High School. So if some of you went to Midland High or Midland Dow, I still love you. Um, and uh, those, those days are ending too because I guess the two high schools in Saginaw are now merging together. And uh, what else? Um, the memories you have when you're going through your community and your hometown, at least for me, brings me back to those days of childhood and as you were being raised up. But then I went to a field where I grew up playing ball and playing with neighborhood kids down the road from my parents' home. And in February 1998, before I knew Gary or Carol or anyone else, it was a February night, snow on the ground. I worked at UPS then, was not even a member here. And I went, uh, back in those days, I liked to run around the track, even with snow on the ground. And, there's no track there no more, but I was running. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I started walking, and I looked up, and it was starfield night. It was clear. It was a little cold. I just started praying to God. Never prayed like that before in my life. And God had a plan for me. And to make a long story short, that was the past. He's transformed me. I'm a servant now, and I'm here before you. Praise the Lord. So some of you here have always remained either in Midland or surrounding areas and never went anywhere. Maybe you went on trips or vacation, but you didn't relocate and have a new address, and that's okay. And some of you have been transplanted here, just like I've been transplanted in Thomasville, Georgia. And you call this place, and I call that place my home now. So when you go away and you come back, it can be either exciting or it can be sad. 
However, to the Christian, Brenda, and believers in Jesus Christ, when you or when we hear that phrase going home, we begin to dwell on a better place, a heavenly home for you, hopefully, and for all. As I said in Sabbath school, and thank you for teaching Sabbath school. That was a good Sabbath school. Um, well, what I mentioned about how Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 10, verse 33, that he would come and they would hear the message that many would be saved. We don't know how many are in the many. Just like we don't know how many are in a third of the angels that the devil cast out. And we don't know how many are in a myriad, a myriad, a myriad of angels. Tony's got a background in architecture, and maybe he's going through those numbers now. I don't know. But uh, we're all desiring that heavenly home to go home to. Amen? So my sermon today is going home. And if you open up your Bibles to John chapter 14 or your electronic devices, you can join me there in John 14. We'll look at one through verses 1 through 3. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you, as I'm looking around this church and the sanctuary, um, it's kind of like the design of our church in Thomasville, but it's in Thomasville, our church is more of an A-frame. Okay, there's more uh, an A-frame, but it's kind of out. So it's a very exaggerated A-frame but about the same type of seating and the same amount of people. So praise the Lord. I feel like I'm back home preaching. So we're going to see in the Bible some examples in the Old Testament and New Testament of those that went away and some came back home and then some that went away and did not go back home. And so we begin here in John 14 verses 1 through 3. And it says, as John writes, and Jesus speaking, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus. In my Father's house are many what? Mansions. Some Bibles say dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I, Jesus, go and prepare a place for you, put your name there, I, Jesus, will come again and receive you, put your name there, to myself, that where I, Jesus, am, there you, put your name there, may be also. Amen. I hear one amen. Do you all want to go home or just one of you? So Jesus here says here in verse 3, he will come again and receive who? What's your name? I'm going to say that again. I want you to say your names out loud. Loud. Not in a mumble. He will come again and receive David. You. To myself. Do you see here in this text anywhere that he says that you're going home? He doesn't say you're going home, right? He says, I'll receive you to myself. However, it's implied in his statement, where I am, you may be also. Okay? Does anyone have a problem with that promise? That's something you can share with many people, and hopefully 
If they get upset, you just turn and walk away, dust off your feet and go. If they accept it, maybe they want to hear more. So many people believe that when he comes, Jesus, that we will be going home. Praise the Lord. When you do take a long vacation, or you go on a long trip, or you go away for some kind of meeting or seminar, or you travel away for work, or to take care of a relative or family member, and then you have that decision that your purpose or your mission is done, and you finally say it's time to go home. You begin to dwell upon the familiar and comfortable surroundings and environment that you missed, or for some, it can be bittersweet. It's always nice to get back home to home sweet home. You've heard that before? To hear those reassuring words, we're going home. To those that served in mission fields or in the military and have served in tours or on missions and you fulfill the mission or the purpose of your tour for in the military, those words going home can conjure up some emotions and thoughts and feelings that can be overwhelming or reassuring. Then there are those that, like in the military, cannot or will not be able to return home to whatever, due to whatever sacrifice was made. Jesus said, I will go away and I will come again for what? What is he coming back for? He says, for you. I will come again for you. He's saying that to his disciples then, and it's for all believers and Christians past and present. Now we're going to look at some other examples in the Old Testament, a couple in the Old Testament, a couple in the New Testament, of people that went away and came home or went away and did not come home. So if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, way in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, look at verses 1 through 5. And as you're turning there, this is where God calls Abram before his name was Abraham. He calls out Abram to leave from his hometown, his family, his friends, his loved ones, and to go away with his wife and nephew and some servants. And he goes willingly and faithfully with the understanding to not go home or return home at all. As well as for Sarai, and for nephew Lot, and for the servants that went with them. So you pick it up in verses 1 through 5 here. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless you, those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, 
and Lot with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, his nephew, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. How many of us, how many of you would be able to accept this assignment? And not only for a short time, but for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. He didn't have the modern day conveniences where you could FaceTime and still keep in connection with family and friends and loved ones back home. Neither did Sarai. Neither did Lot. Neither did any of the servants. So could we, could you, could I be able to take that assignment without being able to connect with anybody that you knew back home? There was a time before when people would go out to the mission fields or overseas and they'd have to wait to get the letters. Yeah. That was exciting because you got a letter. I remember my brother, he was he served in the army and when he'd go off to Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan would send him letters in the beginning, but when he was he finished his last tour in 2012, you could actually send him a message. So but those of the greatest generation, you had to wait a long time to get a letter back. This was a God-divine plan for Abram and for Sarai and for Lot and for the servants that went with them. And it wasn't just for Israel or Judah or the Jews, and it's also for spiritual Israel today that we are grafted in to the covenant blessings and promises that God gave to Abraham. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. I'm glad this clock's behind, Brenda. Verses 1 through 3. This is Jacob now. And who is Jacob? He was a grandson of Abraham. Right? Okay. So... We see here in um, verses 1 through 3, what's written of Jacob. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, from your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham, to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land 
to which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. I gave you a little bit more there than verses one through three, but I wanted you to get the full flavor of what's happening here. Isaac, daddy, sends Jacob, his son, to a place to go find a wife, to go find it from your mother's side of the family. Come down to verses 10 and 11. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had, had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his head, under his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Uncle Gary, thank you that I didn't have to pull up a rock and lay on last night. Uh, as he continues here, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Come down with me to verse 15. And he says, Behold, I am with you. This is God speaking, the angel of the Lord with them, speaking to Jacob. I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back. What did he say? I will bring you back home to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So now Jacob has to go out, go find a wife. It's not an easy task, even today. And then eventually he'll be able to go home. And so Jacob went to this distant country. He lived there, found a wife, was blessed with many sons and a daughter and a deceiving father-in-law and the painful thoughts of his own brother, his hatred and threats of killing him. So you come to chapter 33, if you turn with me there, verses 16 to 20, and Jacob goes home to the place of his father after many years of being away and in seclusion from Esau. After he finally meets with his brother and they are reconciled to one another, then Jacob continues going home. Pick it up in chapter 3, verses 16 to 20. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth. This is after they came together, made reconciliation, saw each other, blessed each other, praised each other, kissed and hugged each other, seen each other's families. Then they go away. Verse 17, and Jacob journeyed on to Sukkoth, and Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth, built himself a house, and made booths or tents for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth, which means booths or tents or tabernacles. Okay, it's getting interesting here. Verse 18, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, 
which is the land of Canaan, when he came from Padam Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohe Israel. God, God of Israel. And so we see here that Jacob goes home to the place of his father after many years of being away and in seclusion from Esau. And he, he's able to go home. And in chapter 35, verses 1 and 6, you get the rest of the stories, Paul Harvey said. Verse 1, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of, your, your, of Esau, your brother. And verse 6, So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. So here God instructs Jacob now to move to Bethel and live there just as his grandfather Abraham did. So he actually comes all the way back home to the family home. He went away by himself, comes back with a whole church or more full of people. Praise the Lord. Now turn to the book of Ruth. Y'all know where Ruth is? Just before Samuel. Ruth chapter 1. There are two there are three main figures here in Ruth. You have Naomi, Ruth, and what what is her sister's name? Not Oprah. Orpa. Okay, so uh, we turn here. Naomi is another example of one that went away for a while and then she returned back home. You see in verses 1 and 2. Chapter 1 of Ruth. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, like like Midland, Michigan, Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Melon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So she left her home. And as the Bible describes it, in the, in the Hebrew would be she left her hometown full. Meaning she had a husband and children and they went away from home together. And then you come to verses 7 and 10. And it says here, Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return where? Each to her mother's house. 
The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, then they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But we know they start to journey and Orpah decides to go home or stay. And Naomi wants to continue on with Naomi. And so Naomi and the interaction and the witness that she had with the daughters-in-law was that bond after her husband and children died. And in verses 16 through 19, it says, But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you. She's saying, beg, I beg you that I won't be able to leave you. Entreat is another word to beg, to, to beseech, to pray, to call upon. So she says, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And where I will be buried, the Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. And you come to verses 18 and 19. Says when she saw that the that she was determined to go with her, when Naomi saw that Ruth wanted to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. There was no more convincing her to go to mom's house. She said, Okay, let's go. So it says in verse 19, Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city, how much? All the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? Now, Gary, when I came into Saginaw, I didn't have all the city coming out saying, Wow, David's here. Or is this David? No, but Naomi comes back and she had been gone for some years. I'm sure she looked different. But she comes back with Ruth. They say, look, Naomi's back home. So she went away and she went back home. Naomi and Ruth returned together home to Judah, Bethlehem. So we see here how she went out full and she returned empty only to familiar surroundings of family and friends from her past. Have you been there? Some of you? We're going to go to the New Testament, look at a couple examples and then uh, start to bring this plane down. So go to um, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where I'm going to take you to now. This is where Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they set out to attend the feast of what? Anybody know? Feast of Passover. And they go with the intent that when the event is over, they're going to go back home to Nazareth. But you come to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 43, and something happens here. 
His parents, referring to Jesus and his parents, Joseph and Mary, went to the Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, how old? 12 years old. They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy, Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, a day's journey, and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Oh no, where is the boy? Where did Jesus go? So they anxiously and frantically go back through the caravan of people trying to find Jesus. You know, at 12 years old, I guess you can have your, your son or daughter have a little independence, but... After a day of not seeing them, you start going back to look for them. You get a little anxious. When they're a little younger, you lose sight of them in the grocery store. You start panicking, right? So they go seeking Jesus and they find him right where he was supposed to be all along. Verses 49 and 50. And he said, so they come to him, they see him in with the, not just the teachers, but the professors of the seminary here. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Jesus speaking to his parents. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And so it says, then they return home to their place. And it says in 50 and 51, or 51 and 52, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her past. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Interesting, when he was a boy, he was, oh, they were overwhelmed. They were astounded by what he was saying and even teaching them. But when he becomes a man and he's anointed and he begins preaching, and it's not what the, Pharisees and Sadducees and church leaders want to hear, then they want to do away with them. We were talking about the evil day that will come in Sabbath school. That will come. People may not want to hear what you have to say from this Bible, but continue preaching it. As Paul did, as Jesus came to do, as the prophets before them, as Ellen White did. So they go home to Nazareth. They went away, went to the feast. They ended up going back home to Nazareth. I want to take you to another example. Matthew chapter 4. Stay with me. I know your crockpots are running. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. This is is, um, when Jesus calls the fishermen. And especially Simon, who gets the name Peter. And so we see here in verses 18 to 20, Jesus speaking to him. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, 
saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now Peter and his brother Andrew are busy with their family business uh, and employment of fishing. Dad's in the boat. They're mending nets. Jesus comes along. Come follow me. They drop their nets. They get out of the boat. They say to dad, we're going. You don't see an argument here. This is with a family business. Jesus comes calling the young men to follow him. And Jesus at this point was known as a Rabboni, a teacher like Brenda, a teacher. Many times rabbis would seek or call young men to join them, to teach them theology and scriptures and historical pasts and, and the commandments and the ways of God. So it was not unusual as a custom for young men to follow a teacher for learning. So Peter accepts the invitation from Jesus and follows to become a fisher of men. But at this point, he does not even know what this means. Have you been there? Have you taken a position not knowing what it's all going to be about? Maybe you're going through one right now. Maybe you just got hired into place. Oh, you're going to be whatever your title is, but you're not sure what that's going to be about. And so this is Peter. He says, yeah, I'll be a fisherman, what, whatever. Not knowing what that's going to be. I've been there too. Come with me to Matthew chapter 8. We see what happens with Peter after he goes away. Because you can read it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. you got similar situations going on here. But you read Luke here, what happens when he calls, or Matthew, where he calls, and you come back later. Because in chapters 5 to 7 is the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. You get into chapter 8, and then you got some healings. He heals some lepers. Then he heals um, the centurion's servant. And then he comes to Peter's mother-in-law at his house. And so after Jesus calls the fishermen disciples, Matthew says here, Jesus preaches, he heals, and then he goes to Peter's house. Evidently, Peter returned home. Because you see in verses 14 and 15, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. So Peter returned home. We don't know where his kids are, where his wife is, but we know mother-in-law is home. Jesus comes in and removes the fever, and her response is to do what? She gives up, she gets up, and she starts serving them. We can see from these examples in the Old Testament and New Testament of people that went away or stayed away and, and came home and some that didn't go back home. So as I bring this to a close, we're going to look at one more example of the Lord Jesus who came to this world 
He was sent by the Father in heaven. And then when all is fulfilled, he and we are going home. When I said that the first time, I got one amen. I say that now and I get nothing. Wake up! You want to go home? Okay. I don't mean just to your potluck or your your pot roast or your, your crock pot, I should say. So when we think of all that left home and family to serve the Lord in this world or to be a deliverer, we can't dismiss what Jesus came to do and what he did and what he's doing still for us and what he's going to do soon. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Y'all know this story, I know. Even the children know this one. This is when the angel comes to comes to Mary. It's the account of Jesus coming into this world through humanity. As the angel Gabriel speaks to and comes to Mary, we pick it up in verses 30 and 31, Luke chapter 1. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, which is grace, with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. She accepts this calling to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. How many mothers here today would love to have that position? I don't see many hands going up. She accepts a position and he says, she says to the Lord, how is this going to be since I have never been with a man. Gabriel answers in verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit, the who? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. She accepts it. She was a young virgin woman that accepted this calling. So Jesus comes from heaven into this world. Mary says, why is this happening? It's to save humanity from what? COVID? Homelessness? UAW strike to save humanity from the sin of the world. Humanity, not just us here gathered in Midland today. All of humanity. This is why Jesus was sent. Do I have an amen? Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with God and men and fulfilled his ministry here on earth. 
Then at the fullness of time, he was going home. And how do we know that? After he's, after he's crucified and he died and he was buried and put in the tomb, three days later, he what? Resurrected. Forty days later, he did what? He ascended to heaven. How do we know that? Luke also wrote Acts. So come to Acts chapter 1. We'll look at verses 10 and 11. I know it's familiar. But we need to be in our Bibles all the time. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And Luke writes here, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went where? Up. He didn't go across the land. He didn't get in a car and go wherever. He went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Praise the Lord. So as the disciples are looking up into the sky, into heaven, suddenly just like at his birth, there are men in white apparel, probably angels, that announce, just as they announce his coming to the shepherds, he's announcing to them that he's going home. But he leaves them with this promise, even before he went to the cross. He will come again in like manner. Praise the Lord. When we complete this worship service, or as you announced, Tony, you're going to have prayer meeting. When you complete prayer meeting, we say we're going home. So you go home for the day, being Sabbath or the night from prayer meeting, and you get ready for the next day. Jesus came here, and he left, and he is coming again. And as he said, when he comes for who? You're catching on. When he comes for you, put your name there. When he comes for you, where he will be, you will be also. So brothers and sisters, we will be going home to his heavenly kingdom. Amen. I end with this. And this is a blessing from the Lord as I share with this appeal. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And may he bless our going out and our coming back to the home or wherever through the day. And as we leave from one another and this church body. How many of you here are waiting and hastening the return of Jesus Christ? And how many of you desire to go home when Jesus comes again. If that is your desire, just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, I've come here. Thank you for the invite that I could be your servant here and be received into my brothers and sisters here to be the channel of your message to flow in me as a vessel poured out to those who are the cups here to receive your word and truth about going home and the example of those who did go away and came back and some did not. 
And the ultimate example of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who left his home in heaven, came here to this earth, went through all that we read about in the Gospels, and then was crucified for the sins of the world and for all humanity. And then 40 days after resurrection, Jesus went home. But he said, I will come back, and when I come, you will be with me to go home to heaven and beyond. We raise our hands to you and we desire to be with you, to go home with you, Jesus, to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.